literally start. Let's just get this over with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, The Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Dare I ask how you're doing? Doing fine, man. Should we get into it after the admin? <laughs> What's the admin? Okay, can actually, here's the most important admin of all. If any of you listen to this podcast, just had children, you brought anyone into the world, how wonderful, many congratulations. Where's this going? Have very, 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 very careful thought about what team you inflict <laughs> upon them. You know, and I'm just saying this now, like you may not have chosen a team for your child and it's, you know, it's great. It's your choice. All I would say is there are some football teams out there that just do their thing. They just wander along, you know, nothing too fancy, but they're just, you know, just there. They're just playing their position. Maybe just think about picking one of those for your kid. (laughs) Because (laughs) depending on the wrong team that you choose, it could be a painful, it could be a painful existence. You done? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good. All right. Well, proper admin. Theringer.com forward slash soccer. You had a piece go up last week about number nines. I did, which was prescient. <laughs> uh, I've got a piece going up this week about Jao Felix. I love um, that you're doing that. That's such an important piece. It might go a little bit fictional towards the end. <laughs> it had better. I expect, listen, the people... I don't want to spoil it, but I'm kind of weighing up an imaginary scenario in the Portuguese dressing room at some point. The people expect nothing less than a bit of fiction. I mean, that's I mean, what they're here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Fictional. Oh my goodness. Other admin. Oh, we didn't mention it last week, but we got nominated for the best sports and leisure podcast on Pod Bible. Yeah, yeah. Alongside some heavyweights. The heavyweights. Yeah. Yeah. Lots Ramble, Totally Football Show. Yeah, all that brilliant. kind of stuff. Brilliant podcast. So if you want to go to podbible.com, and vote for us. That would be lovely. Because it really helps grow the podcast. I'm all about awards that we'll never win. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Other admin, we are on all platforms. So if the podcast app you listen to us on allows you to rate and review, please give us a rate and review. It really helps us. Grow the podcast. Grow the podcast. (laughs) Write his house up this week. I think it's me and Carl this week. Oh, awesome. Uh, So today we thought we'd focus on a few key games of the weekend and then do brief roundups of the rest. So we're going to do North London Derby. Yep, yep. We're going to do Bayern Leipzig, which is not the Classica. No. I mean, to be honest, the Classica is not even the Classica, strictly speaking. But Bayern Leipzig is definitely not the Classica. To be honest, the Classico ain't the Classico no more. Oh. If we're keeping a hundred, if we're really... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, had to go bleak. Wow. It's like the the Classico equivalent of, I can't believe it's not butter. Exactly. (laughs) But I, I can't believe, believe it's, it's not, not the classic. I can't believe it's not, it's not <laughs> Good weekend for Americans in Europe. Really good. Yep, yep. Glad they were having fun. Lots of goals. Alex Morgan got her first goal for Spurs. Decisive goals too, yeah. And uh, something very naughty happened in the Verde Stuttgart game. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which we do not endorse no, on this family podcast. Very naughty. It's like the equivalent of dunking in the final seconds of a blowout. Yeah, exactly. Just don't do it. But yeah, all that coming up after this. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, 
Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, North London Derby. Yeah, yeah. We had so many questions about this. I want to shout out everyone who's inquiring or concerned about my well-being. It's very kind of you. Shouts to Emma, our faces. Yes, yes. Big Spurs fan. Could you just ask Ryan how he's holding up? Pete Buscini, is Ryan okay? There are numerous others saying, yeah, is Ryan okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. As I mentioned on previous podcasts, I'm very zen about Arsenal this season. It's fine. My, my, I do need to address one thing though. And remember when we did the hot take episode? Yeah. <laughs> Yours was Barca winning the league. Yes. Mine was Arsenal might get into the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah, how wrong I was. But I suppose if... The hot takes, they were meant to come in hot. We knew yeah. they were meant to come yeah. in hot. Yeah, yeah. 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 And at the time I was drinking the Arteta Kool-Aid. It would help if Arsenal created some chances. If Arsenal's chance creation wasn't 20th in the Premier League... I think Arsenal might be in line for a Champions League spot. But anyway, Spurs 2, Arsenal 0. A number of people saying statement victory. Status quo, Z- to be honest. Zach status, Shapir status quo. said status statement victory. I actually believe that this is a statement defeat. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, before we get into statement defeat, just to say, this is not a statement victory because it doesn't, it doesn't significantly advance or um, the position of a team that was going to this game with something to prove. This game merely established the state of what we already thought, which is why I just don't. Yeah, I just don't think beating Arsenal at the moment is a statement victory for anyone. Actually, I agree. I agree. Now, I agree. I agree. Um, let's start with Spurs because yes. it's very, very easy to get existential about Arsenal, and no doubt we probably will. Mm. I feel that it's important to start with Spurs because I think you saw every member of that side knew precisely what they were they were meant to do for the entire 90 minutes. Yes. Coached by a wily old fox and executed it to perfection. Mm. I believe they made less than 200 passes in the entire game. Yep. Their expected goals were lower than Arsenal's. They created as many big chances as Arsenal, which was zero. And basically at 2-0, like Mourinho said after the game, they could have pushed for more, but they didn't need to. And just manage the game perfectly. I don't, even though the statistics are quite favourable to Arsenal, and if you hadn't watched the game, it would look like quite a dominating performance from Arsenal, who they did have all of the ball basically. But still, watching the game, Spurs, I just think, fully deserve the win. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Oh, there's goodness, no, 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 no. Son's goal, 
was, it was like one of those ones you watch, you see on like a FIFA highlight reel. Do you know what it was? It was like Iniesta's goal against Malaga. Oh, nice when, yeah, when he just hits it from 40, when the keeper yeah. hasn't set himself. And the keeper's positioning isn't actually the worst, but it's just that moment of imagination almost. You see Son lining up. There's a, there was a lot of criticism of Leno and this and that. It's like, actually, and I'm going to say this in relation to other stuff as well later, there are times when you have to give the player credit for astonishing technique and imagination. Like, mm. because it's not the most logical thing for him to shoot from where he does. Um, it's not the most, someone said, oh yeah, when you back off that match, I was like, mm, not necessarily. Not, I, I think it's very easy to, and this is the thing with Arsenal fans, I'm going to be a bit harsh here. It's going to be very easy, not aided by particular YouTube channels I shall not name. It's going to be very, very easy to leap into, I think, even hysterical assessments of this performance. But if you look at, if you look at our, um, Spurs, right, this wasn't just a great goal by Son and a great performance. It was a signature performance. It was signature Mourinho. Like, okay, so just very quickly, I said this, like, counterattack goals, check. Just over 30% possession, check. Clean seat, check. Defensive substitution after 70 minutes, check. Like, everything. This yeah. actually reminded me very much of the Atleti win over Dortmund in the Champions League a couple of years ago. Very similar. 2-0 at home, I think 30 2% possession and just, just suffocated, suffocated Dortmund. Yeah, they didn't need to do any more, I suppose. No, they didn't. They, they did exactly what they had to. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And a missing Ndombele as well. Yeah, but I thought Sissoko and Hoiberg were really good in midfield. Yeah. And um, compared to the Arsenal midfield, obviously it was a bit of a boost seeing Thomas Partey line up, but he clearly wasn't ready. And actually, for all the talk of crosses and what Arsenal were trying to do this game, the Thomas Partey inclusion, I think, was the biggest misstep that Arteta did because he's going to be out for a long, long while now. I think if he could probably have one thing back, he probably wouldn't have started him. Can I say something harsh actually here? Go for it. The league has switched overnight from a defensive league to a firepower league, right? Sheffield United struggling. Burnley, not so much, but, you know, still grinding stuff out, but Sheffield United in particular and Arsenal, two teams where you looked at defensive organisation and rigour, both really struggling mm. because goal scoring last year wasn't the, you know, goals were important, don't get me wrong, but sheer firepower this year is really conspicuous in terms of its importance and other teams have really tooled up and Arsenal haven't. And that is, if you mean, does that make sense? Like in a, in a league where, like look at Chelsea, for example, Chelsea didn't have the best start to the season the sheer amount of firepower they had gave them hope mm. would drag them out of bad games. And the problem with Arsenal is Arsenal have to score beautiful goals or they don't score at all. They have to score beautifully drilled goals, precise passing moves, or they don't score. And that's the same with Sheffield United. Mm. Like, because, and I, I know I'm making excuses for Arteta here, which is weird for a United fan, but I don't, I, I know he's making mistakes, but I also, Ryan, I'm not sure how much else there is in that squad in a league like this I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be making more chances as a team, but I just think that, that they're so far behind Arsenal in terms of creativity and firepower, further behind than people are actually acknowledging yet. Which is why when I see people ranting about Arteta this, Arteta that, and the, yeah, but who is actually there? 
Yeah, well, what you're seeing from Arsenal, I mean, I mean, let's maybe touch on Arsenal in a minute. Let's wrap up with let's wrap okay. up with Spurs yeah, stuff because Spurs, Spurs, yeah, because Spurs are still top of the league. We've said it a number of times this season that Mourinho deserves credit for this and huge credit. We had a question from Sincletica who said, "Do you think that Mourinho's success with Tottenham comes down to tactics or more the aspects of game management, i.e., mentality?" I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, and I think that the two are with. With Mourinho, I think that the two are so perfectly linked together and they, they complement each other perfectly. And it's now the kind of thing that he was talking about in the All or Nothing documentary, you're starting to see a little bit more where he was like, you, know, you need to be a bunch of bastards, basically. In the documentary, he was probably over-egging how nice Spurs were. I think so, yeah. But maybe that's just because they weren't bastard enough for him. Yeah, yeah. And... I think that what Spurs have got now is, it's like we said before, like the emotional upheaval of losing Pochettino and switching to someone of the profile of Mourinho, I think was quite jarring. And I think it was jarring for the players and I think it was jarring for the fans as well. Yes. I think now that because they've started to have results and things are starting to gel, they're buying into it a little bit more and they can see what they need to do. And I think that that's that's the clearest thing. You saw the success with Arsenal under Arteta came when Everyone knew exactly what they had to do. Yes. And it was executed perfectly. Yes. And it's the same thing with Spurs. They have the ability to absorb pressure and then rely on outstanding talent to, to win games, which is basically what they've yeah. been doing. Yeah, I mean, they have Harry Kane, you know, back to his fitness and they've got a bigger squad to allow him to manage his body. This is the thing. Kane's not been running to the ground now because the squad has these brilliant attacking options. Mm. Just knowing that Bale is there and Vinicius. Um, is that the psychological comfort knowing that Bale is there? And also you have Son, one of the best wide forwards in world football, and it's hard to name a better one at present. There are wide forwards as good as him, but I can't name one currently performing better than Son. Yeah, currently in performance, I don't think there are, you know, it's like him, Mane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, it's like he's a podium finish for top wide forward in the world. Mm. Um, so Mourinho has those assets at the same time he's improved the quality and it, it's weird. This is the thing that he's improved the assets that he's got there. He's improved the players. One thing as well that's funny about this game where a sort of injury or illness actually gave him, gave a world-class coach the opportunity to improve the team. So in Dombele's absence, it's just like a access actually working better in this game. Parallel we can draw with, obviously we'll discuss Bayern Leipzig later, but Hansi Flick having to bring on an, um, a midfielder in place of Javi Martinez mm. and opening the game up. Mm-hmm. And, but then again, it's an adjustment this is a credit to the actual coaches. They made really clever adjustments in that moment. Do you know what I mean? They were like, okay, we're not going to get that from midfield. Let's almost reconfigure and we'll get that and then this will work. So it was almost like, weirdly enough, this was a weekend of like first drafts. So like mm. the Spurs team before Ndombele dropped out was a first draft and the Bayern team before Martinez drops out was a first draft. A couple of quick ones on Spurs before we get into the Arsenal stuff. Sean Yu says, I'll shout out to Sean Yu. He said, do you, believe, do you guys believe in this Tottenham squad? I don't believe in anything anymore. The only thing I believe in is you, Musa. And even that's <laughs> a struggle. That is a struggle. <laughs> My sympathies. Find the- <laughs> you know things are tough when the thing you believe in the most is a shy, humble poet. <laughs> catfish. With catfish elements. <laughs> Strong catfish energy. Definitive. <laughs> if anyone, and for all those people asking how I am, that's how bad it's got. Oh my god, how bad it's got. The thing I believe in <laughs> the most is Musa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I, uh, I certainly, certainly 
I certainly believe in Spurs'ism. I certainly believe in Spurs' squad. I think this team has the chops to go all the way, actually. And it would have been interesting to see what they'd done in the Champions League, actually, funnily enough, this year. Yeah, I agree. Given their firepower, the, the firepower, their ability to counterpunch, Spurs would have been a very dangerous proposition this year in the Champions League because mm. they do have that kind of, they've got that inter thing about them. Not in terms of the, sort of the arc of the players in the squad, but in terms of like, you've got something to prove here. Mourinho's got them playing like they've got something to prove. Um, and they're definitely good enough. I think, you know, them, you know, Lampard obviously is, is doing a really good job at Chelsea so far. No, he has the players, but at the same time, he said this, he is still getting really good performances out of them. I still think it comes down to Klopp versus Mourinho this season. Um, over the course of a league season, over the, just because they've yeah. both been here. I just don't know, man. I just, I know it's, I'm, yeah, but I'm the know, take guy. I, I, I'm captain, the one who always fires out while I take Captain so. Fence, but I just don't, I just don't know anything. I don't know anything about football. But it's fun for me to be wrong about stuff. Like, for example, look, here's me. I did not like that Manchester United kit at all. I was not here for it. Yes, it looked better with the shorts, uh, the, the, mm. the, the black shorts, but still, I wasn't that keen. Actually, now I see it and I'm like, you know what? Strong. I don't think I could really rock it, to be honest. Um, well, you better. <laughs> well, I mean, rock it as in like I could wear it, but I'm not sure I could really, I'd have the swag in it, but we'll you see. You should rock it with one of your fancy jackets. My fancy jackets? I, I couldn't possibly talk about those. I'm, oh, I'm no, shy yeah. to, can't, You can't talk about it. You just have shy to Instagram them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why don't you tell everyone the story about Rude Hullet talking about your jacket? Oh, did I not tell you that story? Oh, God, not again. <laughs> Um, this one from Ryan Teitman. I shoot, that's how we pronounce it in Germany. It would be Teitman, but maybe if it's um, an American name, Teitman. If Son and Kane starred in a buddy cop show, what would it be titled? Kane and Son. Yeah. Kane and Son. True, 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 true. Is it? Because everyone would call it Kane and Son. Kane and Son, yeah. Or Citizen Kane. God. <laughs> Such a dungeon. And, then, and there, the last thing I believed in. Hello, darkness. Fades away. Which <laughs> is all very relevant to the tune we're playing out on today, by the way. <laughs> look at this foreshadowing. Why am look I here? The, Why am I here? Look Why am I here? <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Arsenal quickly. We, we, I know we're going on about the North London derby. We should, though. Biggest game in town. I don't really have a huge amount to add on what I've mentioned before on the podcast with Arsenal, I think that the problems at Arsenal are bigger than Arteta. Mm. And what you're seeing now is the accumulation of, I'd say, four years of very, very mixed transfer policy. If you think about it, the, the cycles that Arsenal have been through since probably, I'd say, the last year or so of Arsene Wenger through to now, the approaches have been all over the place. You had someone like Sven Mislintat come in with a very focused approach on scouting Ryan, the wrong person, the wrong person won the battle, didn't they, with Mizentet and Senya? He, the wrong person won. And I mean, if you look at the, just the personnel turnover at executive level in the last few years at Arsenal, that's astonishingly high for a club that big. Yeah. That hasn't had a takeover or anything like that. So I think what you're seeing is a squad that is built without any singular playing style in mind. And therefore it's really hard to build a tactical system You're like to United fulfill, Ferguson. 
Yeah, to fulfill the need, to yeah. fulfill, well, to maximize the potential of everyone in that squad because they're all built to play different ways. Yeah. I think with the, I want to touch on the crosses thing because I think this is a little bit of a catfish argument, mm. actually, the crosses thing. Mm. Because in Kieran Tierney, you actually have one of the best crosses in the, of the ball in the Premier League. Right. I think. And if you think about what Liverpool and to some degree Manchester City do. Yeah. And actually Chelsea now with, with, with Reese James and Ben Chilwell. Fullbacks cross the ball quite a lot now. I think Liverpool had 20 crosses in the Wolves game, which that's a kind of about where you would expect. But I think right. with this, Arsenal are kind of going up against a deep block and they lack the creativity to play the intricate passes yeah, around the edge absolutely. of the box centrally. Yeah, so therefore, it, this game was always going to play out with more crosses. And yeah, Arteta likes crosses, but what I think he means by crosses is how Manchester City constructed their trademark goal. Yep, yep. Crosses and cutbacks are basically the same thing. They go down as crosses. Crosses can be on the deck or in the air, but they show up in the crosses thing and everyone thinks it's Moyes against Fulham. Is, no, this is, and this is the thing. And this is the thing. It's really... Um... So, sorry, just before you go on from that, because I want to clarify that like, I don't think it's an approach that Arsenal should be lumping balls into the box all the time. But there were actually a couple of really good chances that came Aubameyang from, from crosses. Yeah, with the header. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Aubameyang and Lacazette, whilst not being specialists in the air, they're not dreadful in the air. No. So I think that it's an approach that is probably something that Arteta wants to stretch out into the Manchester City, getting in good positions and making smart cutbacks or the Liverpool way of getting good crosses into the box. And there's a balance to be had. The problem with Ar the Arsenal have had a season is that they sucker punch teams by inviting them onto them last season. Yes. And they develop that Arsenal goal really quickly. West Ham saw that early on in the season and that if you actually think about it Arsenal haven't looked the same team since then right in my mind there's a positive and negative there there's a positive in the sense that Arteta saw how this team could attack forged a system really quickly to let them do that yeah and pull off some really good results yep unfortunately teams cotton on to that and Arteta hasn't managed to shift an approach out of that yet because he doesn't have the personnel to break down teams in deep line blocks. And we'll touch on this probably numerous times through the season and I'll probably do a piece on it, but whatever you think about Meza Ozil, he's the only player that Arsenal have in the squad that can create opportunities centrally. Yep. And, you know, Arsenal can go on about, oh, if we just signed Awar. Arsenal didn't sign Awar and they had the next best option sat right there and they're paying him. So paying him not to use him or not to be able to use him by removing him from the squads, that's a problem because Arsenal are 20th in chances created in the Premier League. That's the worry. You can't have someone like Aubameyang and Lacazette without chances. Absolutely. It's really bad for them. That's my TED talk. No, no, it's, no it's, really, it's really, really bad for them. Um, and I think Miguel Delaney noticed that um, he shared a screenshot um, by, I think, Aubameyang's yeah. agent about chance creation, which is, these kinds of leaks shouldn't be leaving a club. Those things shouldn't be coming out. And I'm not even like having a go at the agent, to be honest. The agent is also like, you have to protect your player and you have to control the narrative. And there'll be a lot of chat about how Aubameyang got, he got a contract and then he sat on his hands, which is completely unfair. Yeah, I don't believe complete, that. I don't buy that but at there, all. But yeah, but you know that there'll be that chat around because people are being ridiculous and being unfair. A lot of people are being unfair about this. But yeah. Yeah, and I don't think he's like anywhere near washed or anything like that at all. I just think that... No supply, it's right? like It's like... It's like hiring a world-class chef and then just giving them 
nothing. It's like locking them out of the kitchen. Yeah. It is, it's that. Like there was a moment in the game, I, I said in the second half, and it's funny because Arsenal putting in a lot of sort of balls across the box. I said, they're not attacking space because almost they're not expecting the ball to get to them. People need to understand playing through lines. They don't have an Ndombele Arsenal. They've got Partey there and Partey's great. Mm. Um, Partey's amazing actually. But they don't have someone to kind of go while Partey sits, for example. Like, and there was a really sad moment when Partey breaks. I think the first half, he breaks beautifully and lays the ball in. And I think, I thought to myself, you're doing the job of two players there. You're doing the job of two players because you can, you can create a bit and you can break lines with your running, but your workload is just going to be overwhelming. And actually, unfortunately, the only upside, and it's never good to have an injury layoff, I just want him to get fully rested now. I just fully rested. And hopefully by the time he's fully rested, Arteta will have worked out some other configuration of midfield options that take the workload off him when he comes back. Yeah. Because he can't be doing that. He can't be doing like, he's only collecting one paycheck and it's a big paycheck, but it's, it's not big enough for the work his body's going to be doing. Anyway. I agree, Musa Okwonga. Let's move on to, who do you want to move on to next? Liverpool cruised it against Wolves. I want to very quickly talk about uh, Crystal Palace West Brom. Very quickly. Yes, yeah. because Eberichi Eze and his touch and his movement, glorious. I know that like the headlines will go to Benteke and Zaha for scoring, but I just really like seeing, I've mentioned this before, like playmakers. I've mentioned like Ibagatha before and Mallorca. Mm. And like, I, just, I love those playmakers who are just there, who are doing incredible things. And there was actually Crystal Palace just sent a tweet which is just his name. And I love stuff like that. I just love seeing clubs appreciate playmakers. Mm. You know, we've always had a soft spot for that kind of like Valeron type vibe. And the way that he breaks lines, the way that he just cuts, and it's such a minimal, there's an efficiency to his movement as well. So yeah, shout out to him. Um, but yeah, shout out to Crystal Palace. Great win for them. Chelsea leads. I think this was just a really good result for Chelsea. Yes. Leeds took the lead. Lovely goal from Bamford. Great pass by Calvin Phillips. Timo Werner doing his very best to defend from the front. <laughs> oh, Timo. Timo will be fine. Absolutely. And, and he, he gives so fine. much to the team when he's not scoring. That's the thing. Yeah. Another yeah. goal for Olivier Giroud. Looking really good. Yeah. Pulisic as well. Great finish. Big header from Zuma. I thought this was a good game. I thought that Chelsea, they've got so much talent there. And Le- Leeds called them, caused them a couple of problems. Probably should have been a couple up before Chelsea. Nice for Lampard beating Bielsa given their history. I'm sure there will have been an additional... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That was Spygate, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's move on to another 3-1, though, which was West Ham 1, Manchester United 3. Oh, yeah. God, I almost forgot that. Um, um, this wasn't an angry goal by Pogba, by the way. No, it wasn't. It was a Juve no. goal. A little bit of a, a tetchy celebration, but not an angry goal. It was sad like. because it was like, that's who you are. You rec- mean, Pogba's great, man. We've Pogba received the ball. Before, he, he received like, the ball in 15 yards of space. Here's the thing. The confidence to receive the ball in 15 yards of space and he could have driven on because I'm just going to hit it. I, it was such a, that, that angle from behind the ball was so beautiful. No one strikes the ball like that guy. No mm. one strikes the ball like Pogba. It's unreal. And so United, like, you know, West Ham. I mean, it shouldn't have been a goal, by the way. Yes, which of course was out of play. Yeah, high this, slice. This ball, blew yeah. my mind because like, yeah, everyone knew it was out of play. It was really far out of play. Really and far just, out. And just purely through... Um, the trajectory of the ball. There was no way that it could, <laughs> that ball, the way it was hit, could land a yard and a half, two yards inside the touchline 
without without going out of play. Absolutely right. Dare I use one of the oldest cliches in football, but I have to. A game of two halves. Well, actually, not true. A game of a game of two thirds. So for two thirds of the game, United were not particularly impressive, actually quite bad. Mm. And you know, following the introduction of Bruno Fernandez, they looked superb. And Bruno Fernandez is basically he's like adding soy sauce to like stir fry vegetables. Everything just pops, right? Or he's like, he's he's a hot sauce, isn't he? You add Fernandez and it kicks off. And he was superb in United's front line. Goals, beautiful goals from Pogba, Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood with a kind of Van Basten type finish where the ball comes in. His first touch hits across his body and he crashes in the bottom corner. That is a very Van Basten finish. Mm. Um, and the final goal from Rashford going through on goal and chipping beautifully. And it was funny because Rashford had missed a good chance earlier, but his movement was really good. So United emerged with a 3-1 win against the West Ham team at West Ham, who've been really good this year. Yeah, like yeah, Moyes okay. has just been really good. So shout out to them. This is not a disrespect. This is more a good result for United than it is a bad result for West Ham. And to be fair to West Ham, United's superior firepower won out, mm. which is a pattern we've seen a lot this year. And we're going to see it a lot more. We had a question from Cheeky Ball Boys. What's a bigger factor in the seemingly way higher level of scrutiny for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer compared to Arteta? Arteta's Hampson privilege or the fact that United wrecked every journalist and fan's childhood for two generations? Wow, that's a spicy... Yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, that gosh. That is a spicy take. Talk about a leading I, question. To be honest, I think that I think the difference was with the CVs. I think, for example, if Solskjaer had worked as an assistant under a really successful coach for two or three seasons and then got the Manchester United job, I think it was, would probably have been different. Yes. I yes. think that the fact that Solskjaer got... Solskjaer had already had a career in management that wasn't that great. Mm. The Mulder stuff was okay, but I think that in terms of having a CV and stepping into the Manchester United job, I think that his didn't fit the bill which is why a lot of people, I think, are still un, like not sold on him as Manchester United coach. I think with Arteta, it's that you've got a, a very recent club legend, I suppose. I, th- I think he, he'll go down as an Arsenal legend in terms of definitely a hero, at least. Yeah. You know, he's club captain and he worked on Pep Guardiola for a couple of years, winning silverware and was like very, very highly rated. So actually, the lack of experience at the top probably got him an easier ride I think yeah I mean I think and also I think it's also it's like kind of like it's like having that sorry it's like having the bad credit rating or just no credit rating yeah exactly and Arteta uh, Solskjaer gets a tougher ride because you're only a couple of managers after Wenger Mm. and Solskjaer it's almost like we have to get this appointment right eventually we have to get it right like the patience is is like we can't keep sacking managers. We've got to get this right at some point. And Solskjaer is a good coach. He's a good coach. Um, a little better than I thought, not, not to lie. I think he's a good coach at his best. He's very good in terms of games. Um, and, but this inconsistency, we said this, we said this weeks ago, Ryan. This is just going to be the pattern of what happens with United. Because when it comes down to it, the margins, the final 15% that takes you from being a good coach to a truly elite coach is game management. Mm-hmm. It's game management. And it is 15%, which is why these games swing so widely, especially in chaotic times. It's like being um, a captain of a ship in a storm, right? The moment we're in a storm. So the elite captains 
have the fluctuations, but I still manage to prevail. Klopp, Mourinho. And the good captains, the deck is listing all the time. It's listing all the time. And that's what this is. It's mm-hmm. literally that. Quick shouts for Manchester City beating Fulham 2-0. Very, very easy. The game was won in the first yeah. half. Leicester, last minute winner over Sheffield United. Who that's an angry up. goal. That is an angry up. goal. Yeah, I, I, I think it was Cara Head tweeted something quite funny about um, Vardy's celebration. Just like, these are not good optics. <laughs> these are not good optics, yeah. Like, <laughs> Jamie Vardy kung fu kicking and destroying a corner flag with a rainbow flag on it. <laughs> and like, take, and here's the thing, the way that he destroyed the flag. So first of all, like, so, they beat Sheffield United 2-1. And the backstory to this is that he was at Sheffield Wednesday as, yeah. uh, as, a, as a youth player, well, in his younger days. And so this had a lot of needle and he was absolutely locked in. Like he hit the post, I think, um, very early on. And he was, you know, when Vardy is on, he's on. Like he looked fully focused. I think Grace of Football tweeted, I've never been more sure of anything, of, of any, I've never more sure of any goal than when Vardy went through at the end there. Beautiful finish. And then he goes through and it's, the way that he breaks the corner flag, Ryan, here's the thing. It was such an angry goal, right? It was so angry. But then here's the thing. It was so surgical because he kicked it. You know what it was like? It was like watching, and it was like watching like Wazim Makram break a metal stump. He knew exactly where to hit it. He hit it like a quarter of the way up. Yeah, I didn't like, like that, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like it, if I'm being honest. The understanding of physics it takes to break a corner flag, you have to know exactly what you're doing. Do you know what it was like? And the reason why I didn't like it is because I was thinking, that's how you tackle someone if you want to break their legs. I know, yeah. Like he broke the center, he, he broke the corner flag's legs. That's what he did. Double poor corner flag. Yeah, poor corner flag. Uh, it was an important win that for, for Leicester who, have, who had lost two on the bounce in the league. They mm. remain fourth. Yeah. Good United one. have got a game, United and City have got games in hand on, well, a game in hand each on Leicester and the rest of the top four. Quick shout for Burnley, Everton. Burnley took the lead. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's goal was lovely because he also took out Nick Pope. <laughs> oh my God. I love this goal for so many reasons. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <What's this? laughs> there were so many FIFA goals this weekend. And actually I tweeted yeah. with regards to FIFA. I think Lacazette started the Arsenal, well, the North London derby, like a, a PES player playing FIFA. Oh my God. It's like, oh this- no. there's like, you know, he kept trying to, instead of like, you know, when the A and the circle are swapped round. Yeah, and it's actually just completely so you just keep hacking people down or you keep oh, hitting God. a long ball when you're about to shoot. What I loved about the Everton um, goal by Calvert-Lewin uh, was the Richarlison from the left and Calvert-Lewin mm-hmm. from six yards out. And someone asked us, could Calvert-Lewin play, um, replace Aguero? Calvert-Lewin could play at any nine in the world. Calvert-Lewin could start at this point. He could be the centerpiece, I think, of any forward line in the world and do well and score goals for them. And I think he'd be really good at Barca, to be honest. I, think, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree. At I all think he, because he perfected all other parts of his game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Calvert-Lewin at AC Milan, replacing Zlatan would be incredible where Zlatan finally has to go. Calvert-Lewin and Rebic coming on as an option. I'd, I love that for AC Milan. I love that for them. But I'm just so happy for Calvert-Lewin because... He perfected all other parts of his game. That's mm-hmm. the thing. He was like one of those F1 drivers who's getting poles, but never like putting together the whole race. You know what I mean? You see, the, you see the greatness there. And then all of a sudden, my guy is getting, he's doing spa in the wet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden he's taking that and it's like, yes, he's here. He's here. You know, the first time you see a Formula 1 driver in the wet and they win and you're like, they're ready. Yeah. I feel like Carl Lewin started driving in the wet like last season and it's just been on a run since then. 
Like a Calvert-Lewin goal now is just standard. It's like a Calvert-Lewin goal now is like me getting a latte on a weekday morning at the local place in the corner. It's just, it's just, it just is what it is. We need to take a break. <laughs> we've been needed, if, we needed to take a break for 20 minutes. Whenever I get excited. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man. Draws galore in the Bundesliga. Yes. Bayern 3, Leipzig 3. Let's start there. Game of the weekend? Yes, but I just... Oh, my God. Okay, can I just say this? I love this game so much. So I didn't actually watch this game live. I watched... Um, I was watching United instead, but I went back and watched this back, and it was just an absolute joy. And can I say this? The intensity with which it started... Oh, my God. This oh. was amazing. Yeah, Lewandowski taking what the Germans say, one Genau in the eye. Yes, he got one in the, got one in, <laughs> From in the Kanate, nutsack. right? In the nutsack. Uh, what was amazing about this, there's so many amazing things in this game, so the, the, the opening, like even 60 seconds, where the ball gets hammered around the back corner, it's beautiful. You see mm. Sula, Sula has got a beautiful technique. And this is the thing, not just the good touch of a big man, but also quick. Sula gets the ball and hammers it to Boateng and Boateng does this incredible thing where he hits it with like the outside of his right foot and just hammers it back to Alaba at left back. And I thought to myself, that is like right there, that is seven years of training together. Mm. Boateng absolutely hammers the ball back to Alaba in the first 45 seconds, knowing he'll be there and receiving it. He's like, you've got to be ready for this. It was like Sergio Ramos playing the outlet pass to Marcelo. You know, there's certain combinations in world football that are like legendary, like combos, legendary combos, like, you know, peak Messi and peak Alba. And the game began like that. And it was just, this game, if you get a chance to watch it back, it was a technical marvel. There have been there some good games so, since Nagelsmann's been, been at Leipzig. Oh, there was so much beautiful. And the amazing thing with this game was, when Leipzig take the lead, great goal by Nkunku. And Nkunku doing to Neuer what Algeria should have done in the 2014 World Cup, quite frankly. But anyway, another story. So Neuer coming ludicrously far off his line. It's amazing how we've normalised bad positioning off your line. It's oh, yeah, amazing. Noia, yeah, Noya was like, we've completely normalized. Keeper, activate. Yeah. yeah, that was like, that was a hubris moment. So and Kunku scores a great goal, great through ball by, I think, Forsberg. What, yeah. I, loved, what I loved about what happened when um, Leipzig took the lead here, it was Nagelsmann going straight to one of his players to giving instructions, I think to Kunku maybe, to give instructions. 
Did it remind me of Ryan? It was like when you watch a bo- you watch a boxing match, and your guy wins the first round, but it's only mm-hmm. the first round of twelve, and you're straight to him after the bell, and you're there with like the towels and the advice. And Nagas was like, "We're a goal up against Bayern. Being a goal up against Bayern is like being half a goal up against anyone else. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a real. It's not a. It's merely a, a bloody nose." Mm. And the game was like, you watch it and it was like, what I loved about Bayern Leipzig was you saw both coaches thinking every minute of the 90. It was, a, it was in its own way, it was a kind of like, it was very open, but it was kind of a masterpiece. It was open and very closed. Yeah. Mm. The substitution of Jamal Musiala really changed the game, actually, because the Goretzka, we actually had a question on this, forgive me. The Goretzka-Martinez axis isn't the most fluid. But it was... Very solid. It was looking good. Like solid. Started yeah. looking good. Solid, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think against like the, the absolute elite sides, I think having a, an element of creativity in that where, yes. where, where is, is quite handy. Yes. And I think what Musiala brought to the game was just a real, he just, I don't know, I just, I was talking to Jonathan Harding about it actually. He, he, Jonathan, just like, he's, he's the real deal. And like, he totally is. Like, Absolutely. He got by in his first equaliser five minutes after coming on. Yeah. Um, and played the pre-assist for one of Muller's goals. I think it was the second. Yes. Uh, no, I think it was Muller's first goal by and second. Yes. And he, he was amazing. I, he was amazing, yeah. And he's been really good when he's featured for Bayern this season. And I think that it bodes really, really well for England's midfield because you've got, you're looking at a potential midfield there that includes Jamal Musiala and Jude Bellingham. That's right. In deep midfield roles. That's frightening. There's a thing that Musiala did, and I want to talk about this very specifically, and it's not the goal, weird enough. The goal was beautiful, but actually young players score goals and that can get, people can go, oh, youthful exuberance. No. Mm. And I, I got annoyed by some of the kind of comments around this. Oh, youthful exuberance. He just plays that thinking. You know, they just play with that thing. Like t- no, nonsense. No, the no, way no. he received possession. So here's the thing. First of all, he plays as an eight, which is a problem that Nagelsmann was not necessarily anticipating in terms of mm. the shape. And the type of run, what Leipzig did so well, they flooded the midfield early on. They absolutely flooded the midfield zone, knowing that Goretzka and Martinez would be static and they could basically like overwhelm them with the press. And they did that. They did that extremely well. What Musiala did was, it was like, oh my gosh, now Flick. Flick saw it and he was like, okay, I know what they're doing. I'm not going to bring on Mark Roker Mm. because he's a known quantity. I bring on Musiala. Musiala got the ball for the Priuses, which is to me the most impressive part of the game. Mm. He came quite deep, almost Frankie de Jong style. And then he advanced, beautiful change of direction. And instead of taking on the man, which you might expect from a young player, he played it through the gap. He played it through the gap and he took two men out. And that just broke, it broke Leipzig open. And from then on, it was really interesting because I think he scored with like almost his, only his third touch. Mm. And from then on, after that pre-assist, it's like, this guy's dangerous from deep because he'll pass it through us as well as run it through us. And it was almost like with then, at a certain point with Musiala, it became with Leipzig, pick your poison. Mm-hmm. Is this guy going to run at us? And also some, what, what I loved about him, the simple things, his ball recycling, Ryan. This guy would get the ball high up the field and there was once in the box where he tried to dribble two men, which is fine because he won a corner. He always got something. What I loved about him consistently is what Sancho did in his breakout season where Sancho basically would like get the ball high up the field, progress the ball, and then lay it off, lay it mm. square and allow the attack to join a recycle position. It was such a patient and mature performance, mm. I thought. 
Yeah, and Leipzig never fully worked him out. That's the thing. No. They never fully worked out what was happening there. Do you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of early Seth Fabregas. I love that comparison. I love that you said that. The, the ball recycling, certainly, mm. when I saw him do that, I was like... But also the is, goal-scoring ability. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they don't, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily like identical in terms of skill set, but they, um, or, or kind of like profile, but um, there are, the, the way that he reads the game and the way that he is quite fearless and also just parts of the pitch that he operates, it reminds me very much of early era Fabregas actually. I love um, that comparison. I love that. I, I, I felt the same, weirdly enough. I'm glad you said it because I felt the same watching him, mm. the positions he takes up and also the way he receives possession, where he receives possession, being open. I don't know what his heat map looks like, probably a scribble at this point, but it was, there was always a, there was such a thought to it. He pulled left, he mm. pulled wide and he pushed it as far. This is the thing. He pulled wide, high on the touchline on the left in the first half. He went extreme right wing, not politically, um, <laughs> in the second half. <laughs> um, and he dropped deep, not quite as a, you know, he never dropped level Goretzka. He was never, he always staggered the line. So he never was flat. He always received the ball on the half turn, on the run, like David Silva. David Silva never dropped square right next to, let's say, a Fernandinho. It was always slightly ahead so he could play the ball in the angle and look up and see the pitch ahead of him. And he received the ball really nicely in stride. And I feel like, do you remember that famous Henri interview when he comes off the pitch and Reyes was amazing, the community shield. Mm. And I think he's brilliant. And then, and then Henri was like, yeah, Reyes was great, but Fabregas, he said. He said, my goodness, <laughs> Fabregas. Yeah, he's going uh, to be a star, man. Um, really pleasing thing about Leipzig was their front three all scored. Oh, shout Justin out to Kleiber. Justin Kleiber got the second and then Forsberg got the third just after halftime and then uh, Muller equalised about 15 minutes to go. Gorgeous, gorgeous goal by Justin Cliver and I saw Neuer yelling a at his... goal. And Neuer was yelling at his like and I said, no, hang on a minute. That is a gorgeous half volley pass and sometimes you can't legislate for that. Every now Neuer, again, no, the only thing Neuer was yelling at was his own legend. That's yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of that. Do you know who he's the same at? Peter Schmeichel. When yeah. Peter Schmeichel would get chipped, he would scream at everyone. He'd scream at everyone. They'd be like, you can, imagine Peter Schmeichel, Peter. you can imagine Schmeichel getting home and being like, Peter, were you yelling again? Oh, rah, 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 rah. Where's the dog? Peter, did you, did you get chipped again? Rah, 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 rah. Is that, that's his energy. <laughs> to be honest, I would love, I would love, this is really random, but I would love to be Peter Schmeichel's paper boy, mm -hmm. just so he could open the front door and just throw the paper over his head into his house. And then celebrate as you cycle yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine? Draw him off his line. Here's the just float over him. <laughs> Fourth straight league draw between Bayern and Leipzig. Mm. It's, it's turned into a nice little ri rivalry, that. Benefit of Leverkusen, who were creeping up on the outside yeah, rail. Yeah, after they, uh, they beat Schalke, who, yeah, I mean Schalke. Well, Leverkusen, this is the thing, they, when they beat Gladbach, early in the season, I was like, oh, you know, local derby, don't read too much into it because it's a derby. But actually, looking at the kind of, now, looking at how well Schick has settled, looking at Bailey getting goals, you know, they, they've got a nice balance up front there. Mm. They've got a nice balance there and they, they're doing well in the Europa League and it's, some teams having Europe as a distraction, you know, is not a good thing, but they've kind of almost like built their confidence in Europe. Yeah. Like, you know, big wins over some bits of Nice and stuff. So 
Leverkusen are looking like quite an interesting proposition. They haven't really had a brutal test yet because people have kind of, no one's seen them coming yet. No one's really coming mm. for them, but. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're second, they're second a point behind Bayern. Yeah. Um, and a point ahead of Leipzig, two ahead ahead of Dortmund. We'll touch on Dortmund in a minute, but before we do that, let's talk about, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Fundu's antics again. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's fair to Bremen. Um, it's a really good win for Stuttgart. They beat Bremen 2-0 in Bremen. Um, mm. Fundu got a penalty after about half an hour, slotted it away, and then got <laughs> the second in stoppage time at the end of the game. After I think it was, was it Omar Toprak? Just did this really casual chest down. Mm. Um, Fundu nipped in, got the ball, went and basically he waited for Pavlenko, the keep the, the Veda keeper, to kind of close him down and close him down. And then he he was on the goal line looking on around, the goal line. and then he just smacked it in in the last minute to clinch the game. I didn't like this at all. I have to admit. I think that and Davies Selka went over and kicked off with him. He actually got booked for it, Fundu, mm. which. I think it was unsportsmanlike conduct. I think that's fair. I think it was fair. I enough. do. Because it, yeah, because the context just, of the game was so yeah. unnecessary. Just it was put so the ball in the net and get on yeah. with it. Do you know what kind of finish that is? That's the kind of finish for someone that doesn't realise there's a return game. It's a bit small time, isn't it? It's small time. It's a return game and the return game is going to have fans. And those fans are going to remember you, my friend. Mm. Like, just I just think in football, it's always be careful what fights you pick. You see it in yeah. Sunday League. You pick a fight. Oh, but you're... A, you're a mile from your car. You should have thought this through. <laughs> um, Stuttgart go to Dortmund next, who drew yeah. one all uh, Eintracht. Angry Gio Reyna goal? I think this was angry goal. Yeah, it was angry. I mean, and, it was a and beautiful actually, goal. It was a beautiful goal. And also like the frustration of Dortmund at a, a good Frankfurt team. A mm. good Frankfurt team. And, um, you know, they had a bit of a rebuild, but Kamada has been beautiful. And this really like, for him to get a goal was kind of, I'm glad that he's emerging onto a big international stage. He's been doing his thing, Frankfurt, for a while. In a funny way, kind of maybe overshadowed by the higher profile players, but as a playmaker, he's always been an extremely interesting one. It was a really good goal, I thought. Yeah, great goal. Him and Kostic just doing like nice things at, at Frankfurt. Mm. But a difficult one for Dortmund because it's like, it's weird. It's not, a, it's not a bad result, but it's a bad result. Like one all against Frankfurt is not a terrible outcome. But in the context of dropped points by Bayern, almost like it's a, not a bad result, but it's a terrible outcome. That makes sense. I mean, they were missing some key players. They were without Guerrero. They were without Mounier. They were without... Uh, Marco Royce was on the bench. They were obviously missing Erling Haaland. They played without a recognised striker. They started the game without a recognised striker. And interestingly, Makoko came on in the second half and Dortmund looked way better, actually. I mean, he did that. That happened before, didn't it? He's done mm. that twice now. He's come on and contributed. Yeah. And what I like about him is it's build up. He's really good in the build up. He's not just, I'm kind of happy he hasn't scored yet, firstly, because mm. I want him to score soon enough, because otherwise, just to get that off his plate. Mm. But I'm glad he didn't score in the first game because the hype too much. Yeah. I mean, I think, Dorman, shown, I think Dorman yeah. could have won the game. They should have won the game, actually. I think, I think, Dorman, I think yeah. Dorman did enough to win the game. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, a point away at Eintracht isn't, that isn't one of the results that Dortmund needs to get too philosophical about. No, no, no. It's the, it's it's, yeah. yeah, it's the defeats away at Augsburg or losing at home to Cologne. They're the ones that, they, yeah. they, that will sit with them. Anything else in the Bundesliga you want to touch on? Uh, Freiburg drawing with Gladbach. Just a nice game, this. It was just a very really pleasant the, game. Very quickly on the Berlin Derby. Very oh quickly. yeah, of course. Berlin Derby, shit. That yeah, happened just, Friday, didn't it? 
Yeah, just very quick on the Berlin derby. So Hertha win 3-1, two goals from Piontek, um, who had a difficult start this time at Hertha, but now looking good. And actually a win that Hertha needed more, much mm. more than Union. Hertha really needed this. Yes, they did. And also as well, like the scoreline is not entirely reflective of the, of the play because Hertha's crucial second was just a nasty deflection. Union were, in, were ahead and yeah. Hertha were massively helped by Robert Andrich deciding to like kung fu kick. Yeah. Lucas Toussaint in the throat. <laughs> and got straight red. Like, I thought it was like three minutes after they took the and lead. And it's one of those ones where you're like, it was one of those ones you're like, yeah, that's just at any level of the game, that's a red. And it's not about intent. It's just like, mm. it's just dangerous. It was, it was interesting though that they, they didn't really get going until the second half where Toussaint and Derrida came off, actually. Yeah. And that's where Piotek came on. I'm happy the Piotek trade worked out because he obviously came trade? from the land. Trade transfer. Oh my goodness. Look there at we go. You. you know what that is? You know what is? That's me. Big fan of soccer trade. It's the, you know, it is, it's, it's the NBA thing in me. It's like, come on, ringer. You know, make <laughs> Come sense. get me. I'm right make here. It. I'm right here. Come get me eyes. I mean, you're in my ring already. Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> it was a good, yeah, like you say, it was a really important win for Hertha. They needed that. That's, I think that's two Berlin derbies in a row for Hertha at home. Yeah, they got a big one, didn't they? What, 4-0, didn't they as well? Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, where do you want to go next? You want to go to La Liga quick? Yeah, yeah, La Liga quickly. quickly. Big win for Cadiz. <laughs> I weirdly don't think like this is as big a result as it would have been if it had happened even last season. No, and the only reason I want to make a big deal out of this is because it's Cadiz have beaten Barca and Real. Yeah. Which is just unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable that you know, in any era to do that, to beat Barca and Real in any era, is just so great. And I want, I want Cadiz to have the season that Leganes didn't. I want them to have that. I want them to have that because when Leganes went down because they lost Brathwaite and they went down horribly like, you know, last game of the season. I want them to have that kind of redemptive year on behalf of Leganes where they stay up and they do great things and they're already doing that. So shout out to them. Mm. And Negredo as well. Alvaro Negredo. Wow, I know. About the years. He's just, he just done his thing. He's just been a don. One thing I will say about this game though, <sighs> I defensively, I've never been entirely convinced. I have to say, by the kind of by Longley and the centre back pairing, I've never been totally convinced. And I, I, I said this. I don't know if I said this before on the podcast before, but I felt it. And seeing this, um, I mean, this the second goal was just terrible. And Negredo almost being gifted that goal. And the really sad thing about this, and there was, um, I think, uh, Sid Lowe shared this as well on Twitter. In his last seventeen games, Leo Messi has only scored two non-penalty goals. And that statistic oh. is, is more than a blip. And Leo Messi's getting old. Like he's played at an explosive level for so long. And there's no shame in that. And the only shame is that he's doing it in a team that is not the right vehicle for his talents. The, the other thing that's really sad about this team as well is the use and the treatment of Frankie de Jong. Because I see so much criticism of Frankie de Jong. Oh, he's not this, he's not. And, you know, I'm going to sound a bit angry here, but what gets me a bit concerned is I hear criticism of him as if he's, as if he can't hack Barca, as if he's not good enough for Barca. He hasn't shown his, hang on a minute. 
that club is so spectacularly dysfunctional. It's so spectacularly dysfunctional that you cannot settle. And there are some pressure positions. In a team of chaos, right? In a team of chaos, there are certain positions that are uniquely prone. It's why Rodri was in so much trouble when he went to City because they hadn't sorted out the sending about partnership. And so all of a sudden, the triangle that's meant to be solid that he was coming into was mm. a mess. It was an absolute mess, Ryan. The defence midfield position and team of chaos really, really struggles because you're drawing together threads. Again, it's the captain analogy. You're standing on a listing deck trying to grab the sails, but the listing is so bad, you can't grab the sails and steer. And everyone's going, steer. You're like, I can't. And Frankie Young has come into a team which is the worst possible configuration of his talents. It is an absolute mess. It's not like Fabregas coming in alongside Vieira and doing that amazing apprenticeship that he had in the Champions League alongside him when he played in the beat event against, sorry, the season before when he was alongside him. And the next season, when Vieira's against him, they win 2 0 at Highbury and, and Fabregas has served his apprenticeship. Frankie de Jong does not have someone to learn an apprenticeship from because Busquets physically over the course of a season is diminished. And that's not Busquets' fault because that transition was badly handled. If I'm being honest though, I don't think he needs an apprenticeship. I just think he needs the keys. And the longer that Busquets is around, starting games with him, like yeah. Frankie Dung has been better this season and Barca's midfield is a lot more fluid and Busquets hasn't been there. I agree. And I'm just, I'm just, it just bugs me when I see people criticizing Frankie Dung because I'm like, that is an elite talent. And this happened, mm-hmm. it gets me really frustrated when I see it happen, it happened with Marshall at Manchester United. And it's not about club support, it's about young players an outstanding, like, and I, I get, you know, I get, I get really angry about this because I've written about this for many years, Ryan, about you have to get a bit lucky to be a great player. I've said this before, if, if, um, you know, when I was, I interviewed Ryan Oliveira and he said, if Cafu had not met Tele Santana, mm. we'd never have heard of Cafu yeah. because Cafu would be a right midfielder. Yeah. And Tele Santana said, you are a right back Cafu and it changed the world. Yeah. It changed the footballing world. And with Frankie de Jong, I'm getting a little bit nervous that he's not going to get the right configuration of elements that will allow him to be a world great. Let's talk about Atleti, who are top of La Liga. Thomas Lamar got the opening goal, got an important goal. He was brilliant as well. If Lamar happens, if Thomas Lamar becomes a thing, it's lights out. If Thomas Lamar becomes the player he can become, and they really tried to integrate him. They've given him chances. I know he was a huge signing. You know, he was a huge signing for them. Mm-hmm. I think he was the record before um, Jarrah Felix came along, blew mm-hmm. out of the water. So you have to like work with him and be patient. But they have tried. They haven't thrown him under the bus. And I think almost like, you know, like it's weird. You know, like um, the signing of Partey created the right conditions for Ozil to thrive, ironically. The signing of Jarrah Felix created the right space for Lamar to thrive because all of a sudden Lamar is not the primary playmaker. Mm. He's not the guy you expect to deliver. He, he becomes part of the unit like he was at Monaco. And then you've got Lorente, Lorente who breaks beautifully from midfield, who gives you goals, who can play as a 10 if he has to, can play as an eight, can play as a six if he has to. So you've got other players breaking the game, stretching the game, you're giving like Lamar more pockets to operate in. And the finish was the finish of a confident player. And he's had a couple of good performances now back to back, Lamar. Mm. And the beauty is for him, he's playing in an Atleti team, which is prominent and, and dominating games and the front runner and the best team in La Liga. Like when I say team, as in not just the team, but the squad, the organization. Again, this thing you said about everyone knowing what their role is. Mourinho has that, Klopp has that, Flick has that, 
give Flick his credit. Flick definitely has that. Simeone has it too. I'm really excited by what Atleti are doing this year. Although I had to say, I had to be careful because I almost, Atleti's law, the second you praise them, they stop being interesting. Mm, see, I, I think this is a myth now because I think that there's a thing about Atleti when they had, who is it they absolutely hammered? It was the 4-0 against Cadiz. Yeah. They have two games in hand on Real Sociedad, who are second. And Real Sociedad are currently La Liga's top goal scorers on 22. Mm. Yeah. Atleti have got 21. They've got two games in hand. and They've only conceded two goals. Unbe- that, well, that is the stat that's unbelievable. Two goals in 10 games and they've scored 21. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It's their league to lose, I think. I really, really Absol- believe that. Absolutely it is. The good thing about this as well is they managed to rest Jao Felix. He came on with about 25 minutes to go. That reminds me of when I was back in 2007 and you have those like amazing poets like K Tempest turning up and they wouldn't perform. They'd just sit at the back of the crowd and be like, and everyone would know you were in the building. Like Joao Felix is like K Tempest. Like, you know, they're in the building. It's like, oh my God, K's here. But like, are they going to perform? Are they going to perform? <laughs> and, but just them being in the stadium, it's the energy. And I love, I love the fact that he's just waiting in the wings. It's big, I'm the captain now energy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You want to do Serie A quick? Oh, Winston McKinney, first Juve goal. Yeah, very quickly. Um, so this was the Turin derby. Big comeback for Juve. Mm. They were down the barrel at the beginning, so they're 1-0 down um, and came up with a very, very late winner, a Bonucci header, which he went right into the camera and celebrated, but you know, rightly so, because they needed that Juventus. They needed something mm. because they are struggling this year. They're not looking fluid. By contrast, Milan who I did watch and was really, I mean, they beat Sampdoria 2-1, which is a good result because Sampdoria is a good team and Sam got a late goal, but Milan in charge. A couple of things about this game I want to talk about. So very quickly, Frank Kessier's penalty technique, really enjoying that. I love his partnership with Tonali in midfield. I love that. And I love Rebic up top. Like, it's two different teams. You have Zlatan there and it's great because everything goes through him. Like, it's almost like Giroud and Tammy Abraham. You know, like Giroud playing the pivot like Zlatan does and mm. getting his goals too. And then Terry Abraham, slightly more rangy, more fluid. And when you have Rebic up top, it's like the future of Milan. And I said this, mm. I think, to you before the podcast started. I would love, I wish that, that Rebic had gone to Dortmund, actually. I think there's so many problems that he solves in that front line when you don't have like Holland there. Because he can play as a wide forward and play as an orthodox nine. And some of his movement beyond the last man was great in this game. Um, they're just a joy to watch Milan. They're like, they're so much fun and they find, they're always fine. You know what I love about them? They're always trying to find ways to open you up. They never mm-hmm. give up and they always try different styles of creativity. Um, yeah, just a great team. And I hope they, if I do have any bias at all on this podcast, it's towards teams that play expansive football. And I do have a bit of a soft spot for them, I've got to say. You have plenty of bias. That's true. Yes, yeah, true, actually. <clears throat> I'm an Aleti Ultra. <laughs> Football populist. <laughs> well, quick shout for Napoli, who are up to third. 4 0 win over Crotone. Yeah, yeah. Two straight 4 0s now, Napoli. And you know what that means next? Two straight Champions mm. Leagues. That's true. <laughs> I've got a reputation now. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. Whose fault is that? Oh, no. <laughs> Me and my reputation. Oh, oh no. Oh, like no. You shouting your reputation like Neuer shouts at his, his, his legend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to the Women's Super League quick before we get out of here. Yeah, yeah. 
Alex Morgan scored a first goal for Spurs from the penalty spot in their 3-1 win over Brighton. Um, We had a couple of questions from Pete Buscini about this. He said, a couple of quick WSL questions. Firstly, can Man City make a genuine run at the title this season or will they just be happy with finishing in the top three? Second, can you talk about the significance of Alex Morgan's first goal for Spurs? Uh, He said, thank you for everything. I hope you're well. Cheers, Pete. I hope you're well too. I mean, we've said this before about Alex Morgan. I think that this is just... She's not going to Spurs to prove anything or to win anything. I think for Spurs, it's a really good signing because they get a world-class forward there for a developing team, let's say. I think for her, it'll just stop some people talking and she can maybe focus on just getting back to the level that she was at before she, she had a child. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's significant. It's a penalty. She could do with a couple from open play. But yeah, I mean, it's just all progress for her. Like I say, I mean, like I, I don't think Spurs will go down. And for her, I think this is just a really good opportunity to play in a different league against elite opposition and to build fitness in a kind of fairly low pressure environment, I think. Yeah, that's right. As you're right. And on the Man City thing, can they? They have to. They have an obligation to with their tools. They dispatched Everton at the weekend and Everton for the first time. It's the first time I've seen Everton look outclassed. You know, in the cup final, they got beaten, but they didn't. I wouldn't say they were outclassed. I said they had a game plan and they played to it. But this, when I saw them break their final goal and, you know, they were three up by the half um, City, just the Everton flank was, the right flank was deserted. It was a wasteland. And I, mm. I just wonder if, um, and it's very early in the season, but um, it's, I just wonder if Everton are almost being, people are coming, they're, they're looking at them with different eyes now. There's not that same complacency of, we'll let Everton come at us with that intensity, we'll impose ourselves. So City have to, they have to, they have an obligation like, mm-hmm. to go for this. And they still can because it's early days in the league. It's not the greatest margin. Yeah. But I think weirdly enough, in a good way, I think United have distorted this league because United have been so good. It's kind of distorted how the league was going to look in terms of the title race. Yeah. So I mean, now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Before we can move on to United, like just quickly wrap up on the City game, like a hat-trick of assists with Caroline Weir. Rose Lavelle starting, but still starting kind of out of position, wide, in a wide position and came off at halftime for Chloe Kelly. But I think that was probably because the game was wrapped. And um, I mean, they've got a Champions League game this week. So maybe that was part of the thinking behind that. And then they have Arsenal at home next week. I like, I like her. I like the way she's been used so far as little as I like the way that Frankie de Jong is being used by Barca. Mm. Uh, you want to talk about Manchester United quick? Well, not really. I mean, they got a 2-0 win. We do expect them to beat Villa. Yeah, expect would, that to yeah. Just, I think the only thing I want to note quickly, as you would, I suppose, as well, is just the Sam Kerr hat-trick against uh, West Ham. <laughs> she needed this. She yeah. needed this. Like, I mean, her movement was great, but I think finishing, her movement's been amazing all season. But I think, like, having those goals on the board, like, it's time for her to really catch fire, I think. I think this will help her. Yeah, unfortunately, though, she hobbled off after a hat-trick celebration, colliding with a West Ham player during the celebration and went straight off. So I don't know how... hope that's okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely her best game this season. Yeah, yeah. So unlucky just to, like, have to go off injured after scoring a hat-trick. Yeah. During the celebration as well, but... um, yeah, Arsenal also won. It's, there's Andy Linegan vibes, isn't it? No, Steve Morrow. Steve Morrow, Steve Morrow yeah, Steve yeah. Morrow. That was it. Andy <laughs> got the winner. Yeah, Steve Morrow in the cup final. Arsenal won 3-0 over Birmingham. Yeah, beautiful goal. With a Kim Little miss penalty as well. Uh, which, yeah. which goal with the Jill Ruled one? Yeah, second one. The float, just lovely. floating the strike. Oh my goodness. Ford and Ruled yeah. on the score sheet for Arsenal, which I always love. Two assists for Kim Little. 
no, sorry, one assist for Kim Letterman, and then she scored a penalty right at the end as well. It's impressive from Arsenal. Manchester United remain top, point ahead of Arsenal, three points ahead of Chelsea, who have a game in hand, and five clear of Manchester City. So it looks like those four, Manchester City are now obviously up above Everton, and um, the kind of four that you would expect to be up there are up there. Yep, yep, absolutely. So should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. Don't forget to check Wrighty's house. We'll be up on Wednesday. Um, we're going to be talking about fans returning, a load of other stuff. The pros and cons, I bet. Yep, yep. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Anything else you want to add, Musa, before we play out? No, just um, in relation to some of these results, like sometimes that's just where your club is at this point. Like, and it's okay. And I said, there's a United fan. It's just how it is. Like just choppy waters. We're in a pandemic, baby. We are indeed. Listen, pandemic, <laughs> baby. Pandemic, baby. <laughs> um, we're playing out on, well, basically I'm dedicating this one to me. <laughs> uh, so Played out on solid space, a darkness in my soul. And uh, I'm just going to sit here and cry. Until the clouds this- actually rumbled in at that. I'm going to sit here that- and cry yeah. until you magically hear this edited version of this podcast. So stay well, everyone. I'll see you on Writer's House and then we'll be back on Thursday. See you soon. Thank you.